Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Pisano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday night segment of The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting live here on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM from New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people at Folgers Coffee, who have been a part of our journey since day one. So huge thank you to Folgers. Another big thank you goes out to Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, a.k.a. Justin Snicker, an award-winning composer of Halloween horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which can be found anywhere that good music can be found. So thank you, thank you. Uh, two great sponsors. We can't ask for better. Uh, tonight, the Outer Realm is honored to welcome back return of Brad Olson. This time, we're going to be discussing his second book, uh, Future Esoteric. And I know you guys were just all over me the last time. So here we are. And there it is. Get your questions ready. It's awesome. I've dabbled a lot in it. So um, everybody settle in. I see the chat rooms filling up. Hello, Amelia, who's not with us in person, but she is in the chat. So she's slowly getting herself better. Uh, it's been a long haul. Hi, Tamara. Hi, Chris. So here we go. And oh, guest of honor. Bam. There he is. How are you? Oh, can you hear me okay? I can't hear you at all. Hey, Michelle, it's good to be back on the outer realm. And <laughs> hi, how are oh, you? Shoot. Let me see what's up with that. Yeah, you're you're freezing oh. up a lot. That's okay. Hopefully, maybe it's just all this power zone you're in. <laughs> Could I be still quick and she come right back on? Yeah, absolutely, let, absolutely. Let, let, let me just jump right back. Okay. <laughs> Technology, your best friend and your worst enemy. It right is. back. I'm just, okay. sometimes it does this if I have my computer on. Okay. All right. I'll give that another try. He's at a conference, UFO conference. So, um, Maybe he's got some weird, crazy vibes over there. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, everybody load up. Yes, Bubbles is here. And everybody's chiming in for Bubbles. Here we go. Hello, Bubbles. And we've got, hope you're feeling better, Amelia. So everybody, this is going to be good. And again, Amelia, I can't see anything in, in Twitter. So only the usual feed here. Hey, Ken, nice to join us. Um, so yeah, we're of course we're on um, UFO Paranormal, UFO Gods and Extraterrestrials on YouTube. We're on the Outer Realm Facebook. We're on Kansas Most Haunted Facebook. Joe Montaldo UFO Undercover News on the Flip Side UFO Paranormal and United Public Radio on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter, my personal Twitter actually. Um, but again, we can't see the comments. So if you're looking to just get some comments in, um, those are the feeds that really work out the best for us. Um, so 
future esoteric. <clears throat> um, I have to say, this may be a little bit, you know, a little bit sensitive for some people. Um, I'm kind of living in that age right now, sensitivity. But um, it's it's fantastic, personally. The first one was amazing. I got all kinds of messages about bringing Brad on. And Brad has three books. And uh, the next time he comes on, he's going to be handling book three, which, of course, I have put away at the moment. But this is the Future Esoteric, the Unseen Realms. And he covers everything from, honestly, from uh, Roswell oh, and back. Okay, we'll try it again. Uh, okay. Oh, that's better. Great, great. Well, hey, showing I was, off your book. Yeah, I'm glad you picked it up. That's a great one. That uh, oh, I've got this, this the series. series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, book two. Well, this is, I guess, what we're going to be um, discussing. But first off, what are you up to? You're you're this weekend. You're up at a conference. Yeah, I'm in uh, Sedona, Arizona, right now wow. for a four day. Today was the first day. Uh, right. Conference called Contact 2022, and I'm presenting tomorrow on Antarctica where Ooh. I was visiting three, a little over three years ago. So Ooh. giving everybody uh, an idea of what it's like to travel down there, sort of the uh, yeah science is taking place at some of the research stations. And then what everybody loves to hear, what might be under the ice and all the secrets that could be <laughs> yeah. there. You know, well, uh, we don't want you to divulge it in front yeah. of 3 million people. So we'll wait till yeah. after you've had your conference and maybe the next show. <laughs> But oh, yeah, if you're in the Arizona area, come on out. There are still tickets available, and I'm on at noon tomorrow. And then again on uh, Sunday, I'm doing the hidden esoteric in plain sight. And that's a lot of the uh, stuff that's featured in my book, including future esoteric, which we'll be talking about tonight. Yes, yes. Tonight is the, the book two book two segment. And I know I, I've been dabbling in all three of them, really. It, it's just one of these things that. It's like I was saying, I says, well, you know, we're living in a bit of a sensitive, <laughs> sensitive culture right now. So, but um, I don't know. I, I have to agree with you. You made a comment in here at the very beginning saying, if what's in this book is actually true. Wow. <laughs> it's like, I think it might be in a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of, of, of trouble, a little bit of a dilemma indeed. So where do you want to start? I mean, I don't even know. I, I, I have a million questions, and but it's a matter of I want to make sure we cover as much as possible within like two hours. So sure. I well, well let, you, me, let me give your listeners a little background on the whole series and yes. then this book. Perfect. So Modern Esoteric is book one in the series, and that's called Beyond Our Senses. And each book has three sections in it. Modern right. esoteric are all the traditions leading up to this modern age from the uh, well, secret societies, more of current era, but the mystery schools of old and so much more that's just really been kept away from human consciousness. You had to be a part of the group to get a lot of this information. And that's really the nature of the word esoteric is that it's information that's available to a select few. In right. fact, when everybody knows about these subjects, the word changes to exoteric. So this, this is just a subject that's always fascinated me from the time I was a little kid to learn about all that's been hidden from us because also at a time 
when I was very young, I kept thinking, why don't we live in a utopia planet? And in fact, mm -hmm. there's a section in Future Esoteric called Utopia, where yes. I address in the half dozen chapters different ways that we could view our world in a utopia state. Mm -hmm. So then Future Esoteric is also the secret states and cosmos, all things UFO and alien and ET. And that's the bit mm -hmm. about if uh, even a fraction of this material comes to pass as being our reality boy are we in for show i, I think so we should be in a star trek reality right now that's all, right right yeah pretty much and i often talk about that michelle i'll, I'll bring it up in my yes. conferences saying that we're basically we've been ripped off 300 years of technology at this point and right. we should actually be at that point in star trek where we're going around and exploring the mm -hmm. galaxies uh yeah. as a peaceful, benevolent race who's just collecting information for science as they did mm -hmm. in the Star Trek series, which, by the way, is humans 300 years from now. That's when the <laughs> Star Trek series takes place. I really so. hope it doesn't take us 300 years yeah. to evolve to that point, which I, I guess, you know, when you talk about that, before we get started, we've had the congressional hearing on UFOs um, this past week, and it still feels like okay, they're opening the door a little bit, but it just feels like it's in small spurts, you know, like it still doesn't feel like we're getting anywhere soon, right? So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that briefly before we get to the book? Do you think it's just another give them something, but really it's nothing? <laughs> well, any kind of disclosure is fine, even if it is very still classified and they're only just giving us Mm -hmm. a little glimpse at least they're talking about it right so that's right. the important thing right so it used to be called the drip 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 of disclosure now it's kind of like a steady stream it's almost every day we're hearing something from one source or another now a congressional hearing mm -hmm. bringing it up and talking about it so that's a good thing right what we're waiting for though is for the full dam to break yeah, and that'd be nice. to have meaningful contact Mm -hmm. with extraterrestrials and just bring it out to the open so everybody knows it should no longer be a secret. One of the ready? chapters in the Utopia section mm -hmm. in Future Esoteric is called The Age of Transparency, when, when everything is just known mm -hmm. by everybody. In fact, part of the onus of the Age of Transparency is on us, that we mm -hmm. will need to be open to these concepts. It's kind of like the whole idea of when Columbus first arrived in what is today Hispaniola or Dominican Republic mm -hmm. was his first landing to the new world in 1492. Mm -hmm. And it was said that the native people could not even see his ship. And so this is very analogous to UFOs in our skies. Mm -hmm. What if they're there and we just can't even see them or perhaps they're not letting us see them. So it was not until the uh, shaman of the Tiano Indian tribe mm -hmm. were able to say, hey, there's there's something out there. They're coming ashore in their ships. They right. treated them like visiting gods. And the whole tribe basically fell to their knees in mm -hmm. worship of them. And that is exactly what the extraterrestrials do not want us to do. Right, because it didn't work out so good them. for South America. Let's put it that way, you yeah. know, with, with that endeavor. Um, so in saying that, do you think we're ready? As, as I think we are ready. 
Yeah, I think it is the zeitgeist of the age. It is the period we live in. Mm -hmm. It's the most amazing time to be alive. Mm -hmm. What's the old saying from uh, China? That you're blessed to be born, uh, blessed and cursed to be born in interesting times. Yeah, And so it could be a blessing and a curse for some people to have this experience because the religions of the world, most especially the Catholic Church, have done examinations on what disclosure would do to their Mm -hmm. faith and to their religion. And they basically found out that it would render it as uh, inconclusive, that that it's going to be irrelevant to to their parishioners once Mm -hmm. extraterrestrial contact is known and made because why do we need religions anymore? Uh, They're telling us that we live in this heliocentric world where they right. thought long ago that the sun rotated around the, the earth, that we we're just the center of everything. Well, right. now, of course we know that's not true. And we now we know that there people. is. <laughs> no, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> I had a little puppy who thought she was the center of everything. I thought so too, but you know what? <laughs> not so much. <laughs> so, okay. So let's jump to the book because I know some of what you're talking about is in here. So why don't we just start, pick a starting point because I mean, there's so much, I wrote down a bunch of topics and I just want to hear basically as much as you could cram in there because the last time a bunch of people went and bought the book that I kept flashing Ooh. around. I know. So I know. So here we go. Flashing it around. So let's All go. right, students, get around. That's right. Here <laughs> we go. talking class today. Oh, by the way, I'm in uh, Reverend John Polk's apartment here in Sedona. And he does nightly UFO tours right Ooh. from his front uh, porch here. And wow. he might have some people coming over tonight after the show with his night vision goggles. And his wow. motto is, here he is, your money back if you don't see a UFO. And how many times have you refunded? Yeah. Uh, never. They never. see them every single never. night here. It's just amazing. I don't know wrong. Well, I shouldn't say that. We see a lot here too. But, I mean, obviously not as much as he does, if you can guarantee it. Where are you? Where are you at? I'm actually in Niagara. Oh. We stream out in New Orleans, but I'm in Niagara. And UFOs are very abundant here. You're I mean, close to the Bridgewater Triangle up there also. Sure. Well, <laughs> I'm talking about that. Anyway, yeah. carry on. <laughs> you, already, you have the only statue of Nikola Tesla in the U.S. is in yeah, Niagara. Yeah, it's in Canada, actually. In yeah. the Canada side, even. It's so we there. don't even have one here in America. No, there's and even the greatest a, a inventor big, of all time. There's a and boulevard course, named after him too, Nikola Tesla Boulevard. Oh wow! Yeah, we really dig him. <laughs> well, of course, I feature him very prominently in all three esoteric guys because his yeah breakthroughs in technology are still to this day being fully engin- backward engineered and understood because he was. Just a man so ahead of his time. It's and true. Deserves, yeah, all, well, all the credit we can give him. I mean, look at the old the the FBI files. If you go into the old, the vault on their website, and it says that he was uh, he was Venusian, and he was brought here by by two extraterrestrials from Venus. I hate to say you know so much ET, but you know two two beings from Venus and brought him into the Tesla family, and according to the FBI and their records, that they would come in and check on him fairly regularly. And they're technological. Venusians are supposed to be very technologically inclined, so if you start thinking about it, it's like hmm. Probably <laughs> so, feed him information too that he turned yeah, into inventions and patents. Yeah. 
You know, it's really interesting you brought up the Venusians because I'm speaking at a conference in July mm -hmm. up in Mount Shasta called the Mount Shasta Summer Conference. And John Polk, in fact, will be up there too as well doing his yeah. UFO tours. And there are several Venusian contactees that speak at this conference. And wow. of course, maybe your uh, listeners have heard of uh, Valiant Thor uh, yeah. and, and several other other. Venusians who came down here that also mm -hmm. helped with uh, Giant Rock, uh, George Van Tassel and the Integratron mm -hmm. that he built there, mm -hmm. as well as uh, George Adamski. And the very dawning of the beginning of the disclosure movement were these guys mm -hmm. who were getting information mm -hmm. and helping us in the very early phases start to acquaint ourselves right. with all kinds of, of uh, extraterrestrials and ET mm -hmm. technology. But the interesting thing about the Venusians is they look almost exactly like we do. So yeah. they could just blend right in. Uh, That's right. Where the Frank Stranges did the, the book, uh, The Stranger at the Pentagon, which was all about how they were here in the 50s and 60s. Right. And John F. Kennedy met them. I'm sure uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower met them. Oh. And probably probably all the presidents Till which which leads you, you to wonder why we're having this congressional hearing and this, right. you know what I mean? You're like, come on, mm -hmm. you definitely know more than what you guys are letting on. But I mean, you know, we don't want mass hysteria or anything. So, you know, I'll roll yeah. with that for a little while. But uh, when your own FBI has files on it mm, and they disclose <laughs> it besides that, I think that's a real disclosure started. So... <laughs> But um, there was one, well, one comment when we were talking about um, disclosure was the Catholic Church is part of the problem, if you do some research. That was spoken about a little bit last night also when uh, Joe Montalvo was on the show about the fact that, you know, they're well aware of everything they're going well on. And they're even, there's been talk of, of them um, along with other, um, you know, religious organizations or churches putting together counseling for people to prepare them, I guess, because of their faith, you know, to prepare them for the possibility um, of contact, which I thought, you know what, that's, this is really good because unless it's instilled to you from the time you're a child, you know, most people who see extraterrestrials that don't look pretty much human are, are going to go, nope, <laughs> you know. That was my well, first. the Catholic Church definitely knows, and that's a great comment, Sarah. They mm -hmm. have a telescope in New Mexico with the acronym name Lucifer. Funny <laughs> name to give a, a telescope looking at uh, the heavenly bodies in outer space. Right. Uh, when, when one of their cardinals came out and said, well, if we ever made meaningful contact with extraterrestrials, they could be baptized. Like really? If they let they, you they go along them. <laughs> it might be like I'm putting a cat in water. <laughs> to me, that was a, that was a telltale sign that they know. Of course, they, they know. They definitely know. And I guess if you break down Lucifer, you know the Morning Star, the, the right. knowledge, and you know it's just there's so many different words that are used and not really given like even right down to the serpent right down to the number 666 right down to now what y'all think people just saying <laughs> you know but um you know uh yes jim that's that's actually where brad is oh, right arizona now. where about in arizona does he know Do i know, you know it's where out it here is? in the southwest jim 
Do you know exactly where? I've got it somewhere because we actually did a show which uh, included a lot of information on it. If you just pop it up um, when you... Um, I'm here in Arizona. I wouldn't mind... Uh, going to check it out. Track it down. I never know. Maybe I like you can travel do places. I just came over the border yesterday from Mexico. Right. Driving down to uh, Baja, San right. Felipe. Oh, Boy, that, that's nice. a trip. That's like a DMZ down there. <laughs> it's, yeah. Oh, the border I is... Uh, wow. I think uh, unlike any you know, here, you cruise, as soon as you cross over the border, boom, you're in a third world country. But here's a picture of it I took yesterday. That's oh the border. You can see all the fences and towers. Oh, That's wow. the mighty Colorado River creating an international boundary between Arizona and wow. Mexico. And it's little more than an irrigation trench. It should right. be pumping out hundreds of gallons a second. It's one of the biggest... Um, rivers in the west part of the united states yeah. and it's just a little and more than nation <laughs> trench right. yeah right. by the time it gets to the gulf of california mm -hmm. it's dry and so they have completely destroyed one of the largest river deltas in a desert in the world it's just all the life has been lost because the salt water came rushing in and all oh, the plants that's terrible are gone. yeah uh. I'm you know, while you're talking, I am just um, uh, telescope located. I'm going to find this for you right now. Okay. Um, Lucifer instruments helped us. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Lucifer, Vatican Observatory on Mount. Graham in Stafford. Does that sound right? That's right. The Vatican has an observatory in Arizona manned by Jesuit astronomers. And from what I'm seeing, a spokesperson for University of Arizona. So apparently, does that sound right? Is there a Mount, Mount Graham? Yeah. Graham? Where is it located, though? Uh, right next to the observatory. The large binocular telescope, which happens to be right next to the Vatican Observatory on Mount Graham and Stafford. Yes, they have a Vatican observatory in Arizona. Yeah, so they sure do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, hmm, let me find you some coordinates. <laughs> oh, I'll um, be <laughs> Well, It is. Okay, all right. It's, so it's down, it's kind of close to New Mexico. I wasn't that far off. Oh. Um, and it is near um, where the great William uh, Bill oh, Cooper is. lived in Egan. He lived in Egan, Arizona. I've been meaning to go down there too to check out uh, his home. But so Jim uh, says it's people, located Mount Graham near Tucson, Arizona, at an altitude of about thirty-two hundred meters. Can't get much better than that for directions. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> so yeah, there it is, Mountain Peak, Mount yep. Graham. Yeah, it's kind of between uh, Phoenix and Tucson, but closer to New Mexico. Wow, huh. might be a road trip back. <laughs> yeah, you know, Next you're an adventurous guy. <laughs> it's closer to Mexico. Yeah, he says that too. Closer to Mexico. Yeah. So. Well, there you go. <laughs> you might be able Learn to check it every out. Day, don't we? You do. I think kudos to the Catholics um, 
you know, they have upteen amounts of funding. I think if they're they're prepared to do the research, I think it's great. But I guess the big question is how much of the research will they share, if at all? So southwest of Tucson. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. But um, I think it, it, it's a start. But they probably know more than most people. So, now, as you get into some of this stuff, you know, you're going to have your naysayers, for sure. And when you, you know, talking about some of this, they're just like, who, who is this? These, all, you know, this, this, these, these people, these extraterrestrials from Venus who helped us do what? Why haven't we heard about it? Why haven't we, you know, I just think of all these disclosures and we can't say that we've had extraterrestrial contact and we know that there exists. And yet, you know, I've done upteen shows. I think, I think Joe and I did a show. We did something like eight segments with all different testimonials from astronauts, from presidents, from people who were there when, you know, Eisenhower met with an extraterrestrial. Like this is all, <laughs> stuff is all over the place. It's not like a secret. So why, why fight it? <laughs> just like, I fight it. Right. say it. Exactly. Well, and it also, I'm just reading some comments about Mount Graham was a holy mountain to the American Indians oh. and in their pictographs right. and other information, oral tradition, right. the mountain is a stargate is <laughs> someone saying here. And there are plenty of mountains. Why take over the one that happens to be a sacred mountain to the Indians? So there again, right more, there. <laughs> more information but, that, uh, but that's what they Vatican do. knows. They the know. church would build all like they would always build over power spots, temples, um, goddess temples, um, any power spot that had, you know, or known portals or power spots. You know, yep. I mean, that's not normal, or isn't it? That is normal. What am I saying? So, of course, this is not going to be any different, but I'm surprised uh, to hear this information. I shouldn't be, but I am that they <laughs> would even go into indigenous land. Yeah. Sacred sacred land yeah they don't have a problem with that uh yeah. if they can take it over they will but. yeah absolutely well there's something else to talk about <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right, huh? at your conference did you know here's a fun fact <laughs> right? right so you know portals you know and power spots that attracts et right how many come through portals well, here in uh, Sedona, in the Verde Valley I'm in right now, uh, just 10 miles away is a location called the Bradshaw Ranch. And mm -hmm. it's been compared to the Skinwalker Ranch, the very mm -hmm. famous one. The History Channel's got a series yeah. on it. and yep. it, They are these paranormal hotspots. And, yep. and I would suspect that uh, Mount Graham would have some elements of this too, where cryptid mm -hmm. creatures can appear... If you take pictures around there, all kinds of orbs are going to be in your photos. And mm -hmm. uh, right. we have at, at the conference I'm speaking at, I was just sitting next to him listening to some presentations, is Tom Dongo. And he is, boy, he's the master on uh, Bradshaw Ranch. And more mm -hmm. photographs of paranormal phenomenon happen there. So if you know where to look, right. uh, it's, it's a, it. a wealth of information. So we were talking about disclosure. Boy, just go to uh, Mount Adams where the East City Ranch is in Washington State or Mount Shasta and do mm -hmm. a sky watch 
over the mountain and right. almost every night you're going to see something or the UFO mm -hmm. tours here. I mean, it's right there hidden in plain sight. People just have to have a mm -hmm. little gumption among themselves to, to take a, mm -hmm. a chance and, and take a look. Yeah. See if Absolutely. You see Absolutely. Well, I, you know, it, it always interests me why they're so, many sightings in and around some of these really large mountain ranges. Um, I know some of them, you know, there's talk of underground bases and things of that nature, but they seem to be attracted to things like even volcanoes, like, you know, they've been seeing coming in and out of live volcanoes. That's like, all right. <laughs> all over the world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Michelle, most UFO sightings are seen around or above volcanoes begging mm. question why right perhaps it's tapping into the heat source that mm. comes out of volcanoes perhaps mm. they have a way to transfer through the mountain and get into the large cavities mm. that exist at volcanoes mm -hmm. and that's where the mythical talos in mount shasta and mm. other civilizations are said to reside Oh, the neck Marian, of Mount Shasta, right? by the way, goes down 400 miles into the earth. And it's not just the Telosians. The U.S. has a secret base there. The whole eastern side of Mount Shasta is a military base and is inaccessible. But it mm -hmm. said the reptilians have something down there and other ETs mm -hmm. as well. So I get into some of this in Future Esoteric. I also wrote another book called sacred places north america and mm. you know it's just hard to deny that a lot of these places have these kind of paranormal uh encounters and activity all year round mm -hmm. and that's what makes them a sacred place just like mount wilson mm -hmm. uh down there in arizona i mean uh where where the telescope is oh, there's just brain. so much yeah. to these places that uh mm -hmm. it's, it's worth taking a look and right. spending some time there. There we go. Didn't Jimmy Church claim to see a huge doorway a couple of years ago on Mount Shasta? Uh, it was it was actually on Mount Adams that okay. they got go. a picture of it. And so right after that happened, I was going up to East Seti Ranch, who it's owned by James Gilliland, and he's a lifetime contactee. And he was having me as a speaker at one of the conferences up there. So one day I went hiking up there because we saw him the night before, just lights coming and going into mm -hmm. this doorway like region. And so I, I'm a athletic guy. I wanted to hike up there and see it for myself. So I got up to about 10,500 feet right about the tree line. Right. And we looked over the, the uh, side of the mountain. It's the Western facing slope of Mount Adams. And it's mm -hmm. just such an inhospitable terrain. I call right. it the zone of silence because there's nobody in there. The lava rock is so sharp, it'll cut your boots up. And they're just sheer walls mm -hmm. to keep people out. It, nobody goes back there. People don't realize this, and, and I talk about it in my Antarctica talk. There are parts of the world that no human at, below the ice of Antarctica has mm -hmm. ever really seen what's down there. Uh, right. and, and there are other regions like this western flank of Mount Adams that are so hard to get to. Mm -hmm. You could probably fly a drone over it. That might be the best way to survey it. Mm -hmm. So I came back down and I said, wow, James, that 
there's no way that those are flashlights or Jeep lights. There's no roads back there or anything. Mm-hmm. But we see these lights coming and going. I said, has anybody ever gotten back there? Because it's really hard to go. And he said, well, there was a guy a couple of years ago who was a really experienced mountaineer. And he said, I want to go try to find this door. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a pretty good way up the mountain, a little bit higher than 10.5 where I made it. So he went back there and for several days was doing what he had to do to get through this lava field. Mm-hmm. And as he started approaching the area, because he kind of knew where to go and look, he just got this foreboding feeling like, stop, turn around, go back. You don't belong here. Go away. What are you doing? You're still coming. Go away. Go, go. And he kept going and going. Finally, he turned the corner. He saw it. He didn't photograph it, but he saw it. And, and, and the, the feeling was you take one step closer and your head's going to explode. We're going to kill you. We're, you're going to die. So wow. he turned around and ran and it. He came back to East Seti Ranch, and James told me the guy was white as like he saw a ghost. Wow. And it took him a couple of days for him to tell him what happened. Mm-hmm. And it's that's pretty frightening. That's pretty, it's frightening. pretty frightening. And yeah. you know, they, like anyone else, um, have a reason to protect what they mm. consider their realm, this zone of silence, this uh area that humans are not meant to go so he's getting telepathic messages basically i mean at least he he knew enough to heed the message and and leave do you think with that being said that all this money and this the the space race as i i call it um all this money being pumped into this do you think it would be better suited to be exploring areas like this in antarctica and you know deep sea exploration so much we haven't even touched on on this very planet but yet everybody wants to go to the stars i mean i get it but this is a this is this is your home this is where this is the planet that sustains you that you know for sure will sustain you You well who says they haven't already done it they're just not (laughs) telling us because good point (laughs) with these kind of budgets well in the in the book uh future esoteric it starts out with a section called secrets Right. And it goes into the black projects and the siphoning of money and mm-hmm. how they, they've been backward engineering this technology for quite a long time, mm-hmm. uh, almost a century wow. Wow. from what we even know. But right. uh, the, then you have people like Ben Rich, who was the head of the skunk works at Lockheed Martin in charge of backward engineering yeah. this. And on his deathbed, he had a couple uh, pretty big uh, revelations for us. Mm-hmm. And here's someone who knows his stuff, but he felt like many others do, including Eisenhower, who gave the famous speech warning about the military industrial complex. And I think Ben Rich was doing the same, but right. he was saying, we already have the technology to take ET home. And this is in the late 1980s. He's saying this. Right. And then he said that, uh, yeah, we can't handle the truth that that they have technology that is many hundred years in advance, mm-hmm. like our Star Trek future that's being withheld from us. And mm-hmm. I think that's why he had uh, second thoughts about taking this information to his grave. And what does he have to lose on mm-hmm. his deathbed to make these uh, confessions? Because, of course, he's done many non-disclosure, non-compete yeah. uh, 
forms so, that he had to sign. And yeah, yeah, when, yeah. when you're almost dead, what do you got to lose? What are you going to do? Come and kill me? Well, I'm going to probably die in a couple of days anyway. So yeah, exactly. Um, do you think that there are many people in the 1% that are living the Star Trek life, basically? Well, that's what a lot of the super soldiers have to say is that there are, that there is this breakaway civilization and that one of the breakaway civilizations is this interplanetary corporate conglomerate. Right. That's a, a name Corey Good has popularized, but others have used it as well and saying, yeah, the mm -hmm. corporation. Kind of like the movie Avatar. Remember how that was a big corporation? Yes. That they were all working for yes. the whole planet Earth and they're out exploiting planets. Mm -hmm. Well, that could also be, that's like timeline two. Mm -hmm. future of humanity in 300 years that's right. if things go totally mm -hmm. awry and the timeline that we're on today of course the timeline we want to have is mm -hmm. the timeline one where we reach a golden age where right. we reach the potential to have a utopia civilization on this planet and mm -hmm. that's what i explore in the, the final mm -hmm. section of futurist of the book right right well, I mean, let's let's get into um, just because of everything going on in the world right now. Obviously, you have a lot talking about this great reset, new world order. New world order to me sounds like I don't look at it like everybody else within reason. I think if we want to get into some kind of a galactic federation and, and existence, become you know, we, I mean, after all, we're Earthlings, we're you know pretty much so is it better to get into a one world proper one world government to be able to get into a planetary mindset into a planetary organization you know i'm not talking about one world order where you know we're all we're all brought into slavery here i'm talking about you know does it not make sense to have a one government does it not make sense to have one currency if we can all agree on what that is or how about no currency? How about the end of money? And that's a also a chapter in okay, the utopia yeah. section. Because okay. in Star Trek, there is never a scene where people mm -hmm. are paying money either to each other or if they mm -hmm. say chocolate shake, they're not depositing yeah. tokens into no, the uh, replicator, which produces the chocolate shake. It just comes right out for them. Right. So part of the Great Awakening which will lead to uh, the enlightenment of humanity mm -hmm. is this age of transparency where, yes, that's about the only way it could work, Michelle, but just right. like the word Illuminati, which means the enlightened ones, mm -hmm. that word has been hijacked. So, so when you say a one world government, mm -hmm. many people are going to say, Hey, they, they just want to use that name as we yeah. all think it would probably be something really good for humanity, but mm -hmm. they would rip us off. So unless we enter this age of transparency, forget mm -hmm. about it. They're, they're going to try to hijack it and mm -hmm. control us that way. And like and everything else, fact, we're already seeing it happening. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so if we go back and like, let's talk about, um, Let's talk about reverse engineering. Let's talk about some of the things that 
you know, again, I'm only touching on it because of the, the recent, you know, I'm getting a lot of questions about this congressional hearing and such, but this is something that we've been doing for a long time, right? Which apparently started, yeah. there's a lot of stories, you know, reverse engineering is going back to, you know, World War One, of course, World War Two, um, but have they actually achieved, you know, flying crafts? I don't know. Now we know they have because most of us can't even tell the difference. They've mastered it to the point of even the drones are massive. And, and what are we really dealing with? Are we dealing with, you know, military abductions? Are we dealing with military sightings? Are we dealing with extraterrestrials? And it's, it's really, you know, it's easy for them to mask everything because they've pretty much achieved it all. So it's easy for them to say, no, this is us. This is us. This is us. Be scared of this. Be scared of this. False flag. False flag. <laughs> like, right. What do you believe, right? Well, they're, they're, that when they do that, they're obviously not doing it to benefit humanity. They're doing it to scare us, to keep us in a fear state, because then, mm -hmm. then we're controllable. Right. See, when we're, when we're happy and in a good mood all the time, then you start to see things for what, what they are. And mm -hmm. the coincidences and the synchronicities start to pick up and, and good begets good. And it just right. carries on in a forward motion. Now, mm -hmm. I saw one of the comments about Bob Lazar. Yeah, I'll bring it He's back been vindicated. Me. Bob Lazar spoke that, uh, yeah, he was working on backward engineering these craft way back in the 80s. And I've been on uh, Coast to Coast with George Knapp and I met him in person. We did an interview mm -hmm. at OmegaCon a few years. He broke that story, and Bob Lazar was trying to be uh, hidden his identity, but then he had to come out to protect himself. Mm -hmm. Everything he said has come to be true. So right. I would say follow what he mm -hmm. said, even in those old interviews. In fact, mm -hmm. he was talking about Element 116, and I bring that up in yeah. several of my books, that mm -hmm. uh, it has been since his time replicated in a laboratory and proven to exist. So once again, a Bob Lazar proof down the pike. And uh, mm -hmm. so when he was working on these projects, you know, he said that he was brought in by uh, Teller himself, the, the father of the H-bomb. And it was because they were trying to open up a basketball size nuclear engine off of one of the crowd. They were just going to cut it open mm. and, Kapow! It killed all the scientists. Wow. And so Teller had to find some new physicists to bring in, and one of them was Bob Lazar. Mm -hmm. So when he went public with this stuff, they were just out to blemish his name and take him off the record and discredit mm -hmm. him any way possible. But there's still enough evidence out there to prove that he is who he is, and he went through the certain channels he went through to be in these programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really got hit hard um, with, you know, they really went out of their way to discredit him. But, I mean, astronauts and, you know, especially from the Apollo missions, I mean, they've they've all come forward. Everybody's under a gag order. And you could see in some of those early interviews, you know, they were told not to talk about anything. And you could just see them on camera. They, they just wanted to talk about it. And, you know, a couple of them looked sort of... Oh, Maybe we don't want to talk about it, you know, like, like, is that really a thing? But you really did see that it bothered them immensely. 
that it was being kept from everybody because it, there was so much going on. And some of these astronauts went on to basically, they became the whistleblowers. They were reputable whistleblowers. Nobody really heard of Bob Lazar a whole lot before he basically came out with it and made him known as to who he was. Um, so now you're looking at astronauts and people were looking at them as being more credible. I mean, you even look at Bill Nelson, you know, the, the NASA administrator. I mean, even he comes forward and says, yes, they're there. We know they're there. But why isn't any of this being talked about <laughs> during this congressional right. hearing? Like, why are we all sitting here being led to believe, well, we don't know what this is. And I understand we have to be cautious because we have, we don't know. You know, the Russians, the Chinese, are they coming in? What do they have? Report everything now. So it goes from say nothing to tell us everything, but we don't know. I'm just, I, you know, everybody that's got one of these, seriously, right, are seeing more out there than what. Hello, everyone. I'm Jacques Claude Mystic, and welcome to this. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have links open. I'm going to restart my computer a couple and want to play. No, that's okay. So, yeah, no, but, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're at that age where people really just have to use their own ability of discernment mm. on a lot of these subjects. And, and I say it in, in my first chapter called the Author's Karma Statement that we've all had many experiences of our own, myself included. Mm -hmm. And you have to use your own discernment of what you hear out there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it comes from within. It comes from the knowing, the gnosis of knowing within that what you've experienced is very interpersonal. It's, it's like about as unique as your own fingerprint. Right. We just had a, a, a person give a presentation about dreams and talking about deja vu. And deja vu, according to Susan Morgan, who just gives this great presentation, is us dreaming of a future scenario. So when it happens, it's like this interpersonal, whoa, what is this all about? And oftentimes those deja vu experiences are just ordinary kind of occurrences that don't really mean anything to anyone, even yourself. But you have this feeling mm -hmm. that something very significant just happened, a remembering of a dream you once had. So don't discount your dreams either. They could also... Mm -hmm give you really good clues of discernment into mm -hmm. a, a lot of these unseen realms is the subtitle of future esoteric. Yeah. I've always looked at deja vu as, as even, you know, past life memories or perhaps traveling while we sleep, you know, just leaving the body traveling. Maybe it, it's an, an, like an abduction, an experiencer thing where, you know, they're taking you somewhere or they're, they're moving you around dimensionally. Um, you know, and you just have little memories of that going around fast forward in time, back forth, you know, um, as I've had, I've had deja vus where I come up and it's just like, like, I know I've been there several times, but you kind of wondered, yourself, well, but you know, cause I've been there in life, <laughs> you know, or I end up going, you're traveling the other side of the world thinking I can't possibly have had a deja vu because I've never been here before, but yet everything is, everything makes sense. It's like, no, that's about right. Um, Tamara, deja vu is the post notes to let you know you're on your right path. There we go. <laughs> so, like so, that. so what about downloads and visions given to you by ET? Because some people can't 
separate those from knowing whether or not they're in dream state or not. I, I had a, a psychic who was working on me. In fact, she was also a massage therapist. I'm getting this great massage. And she goes, <laughs> I'm reading from you that you have these really intense signals and messages that are coming out like packets. I didn't know anything about that the first time I heard it, but right. it's kind of interesting that downloads is it, you can say, okay, I'm, I'm getting all this information coming in, either in my dreams or mm -hmm. in meditation or however mm -hmm. it comes through to each individual. But don't discount the fact that you're also an antennae. You're receiving and mm -hmm. you're, you're giving. So it, it's a come and go, really. Mm -hmm. So if you're getting downloads, just also keep in mind that you're also probably emitting right. uh, pretty important information out there as well. Right. Do you ever get that in? impression that you're also sending and receiving? I'm sure I do. <laughs> I receive quite a bit. Um, I always say that, you know, I'm led into right even into my research that I'm just led. I'll start off on one thing and I'll end up someplace else. And there are times I don't remember how I actually got there, but it's like, okay, obviously this is something I'm supposed to see. And it eventually ends up being pertinent to whatever it is I need to know. So I don't know. I always chalk it up as, oh, the universe is such an interesting place. But um, so I'm going to back up and um, I'd like to, to hit on the Fourth Reich. Oh, yeah. Great <laughs> subject. It's, it's a chapter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I, I know you have a very sophisticated audience in the outer realm who oh. have heard of Project Paperclip, yep. which was bringing in not dozens not hundreds, but thousands of Nazis after World War II, not only into aerospace like Hermann Oberth and Werner von Braun, the father of rocketry that helped mm -hmm. with the Mercury and the Apollo programs to put a man on the moon, but also into corporate leadership roles Mm -hmm. also into the intelligence community, into the newly formed CIA, which was formerly the OSS and mm -hmm. 47 became the CIA with wow. uh, Reinhard Galen, who should have been in Nuremberg, as many of them should have been yeah. put up on war crimes. Uh, but they came over here with a new life, sometimes a new identity and a new job to do. But mm -hmm. The thing is, they always stayed loyal to the Fourth Reich. Uh, right. And they also brought in the MK Ultra psychiatrists who were working on the mass medicated psychiatry, the psyops of the Third Reich. How do you think they got all those German people behind the cause? Mm -hmm. Well, they were pros at this. And so they came over here and got even better. But that's right. where the word MK is mind control spelled with the German spelling K-O-N-T-O-L-L-E. Right. So those MK Ultra mm -hmm. scientists also came over here. And again, they stayed loyal to the Reich. So uh, James Farrell, colleague of mine, met him and followed his work and read his books. Right. He had, he had a, a lot of evidence in some of his books that they were passing attache cases, meaning briefcases, Mm -hmm. full of documents with their South American and Antarctic brethren, meaning the Third Reich 
when it collapsed, never surrendered. The only the armies of Germany, the uh, Wehrmacht, the army, the Luftwaffe, the Air Force, and the Navy surrendered. The Third Reich never surrendered. They went underground into what's known as the Third Force. So we have the Cold War between the Soviets and NATO mm. countries. Right. And this third power was now an intelligence force. That's what the Fourth Reich became. Mm -hmm. And they were just fanning the flames of discontent between the Cold War powers. And they almost brought us to the brink of nuclear war with, with the whole uh, mm -hmm. Cu Cuban Missile Crisis. But so when, when I heard William Fer or Joseph Farrell talk about the passing of information and how they all stayed loyal to the Reich, started to make a lot more sense mm. how even our FBI and CIA knew they were down there. And I republished some documents and talk about it in some of my presentations mm -hmm. about in South America, they had all these enclaves. Right. So there was a History Channel show called Hunting Hitler uh, in three seasons. So there's probably yeah, about uh, 30 episodes of yeah. Hunting Hitler. Yeah, he lived. He survived. He got yeah. out of there. They it killed one of his doppelgangers, and mm -hmm. he was spotted all over the place. Not only Hitler himself, but Martin Bormann, who is the number two at the end of World War II. He was the mm -hmm. money man, and he helped get out all the pallets of gold, a lot of priceless artifacts from the museums of Europe, which still haven't not oh, all been recovered. The Amber Room, that in itself is still missing. Out of, yeah, out of everything that's and been recovered. destiny and a lot of other yes, uh, very important yes. art and historical yes. well, uh, projects. They're just they've been gone since mm -hmm. World War II. Uh, mm -hmm. But but the most important thing is he was able to work with our CIA and with our FBI, not only getting these Nazi hunters off the trail. And mm -hmm. you got to understand, they got one guy. Adolf Eichmann, and he was whisked off to Israel, tried and hung, and that scared the living bejesus out of the rest of them, and they said, no more of that. No. And guess what? No more happened. Right. Uh, and so they lived their lives. Look, Michelle, I was driving through uh, South America three and a half years ago, and I have my Lonely Planet book, and mm -hmm. we pull into this this little town and there's really not much there in Bolivia. And Hey, let's check the lonely planet. What does it say? Oh, there's an old, uh, lumber facility. And behind it was a little shack where Klaus Barbie, the butcher of Lyon, France, yeah. whisked out through the, uh, rat lines is what they're called. Mm -hmm. Largely given new identities and the ability to flee after world war II, relocated in South America and Klaus Barbie, under a new name, lived out his whole natural life. Mm -hmm. Same with Joseph Mengele, that right. maniacal doctor in Auschwitz, and many others mm -hmm. that were never brought to justice. So you got to understand that this group survived the war. Mm -hmm. Not only did they survive the war, they left with immense wealth. And I think mm -hmm. this is the backbone of the globalists we see today implementing wow. their new world order. And right. so many other dastardly deeds that are being festooned upon the people. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I completely believe that because there's a belief system 
in place that Hitler was actually related to the Rothschilds. And if he was a if he was related to the Rothschilds, they would have taken him to Rothschild Island right near Antarctica. And then bam, bam, oh, yeah. Bob's your uncle and you were living fine. So, <laughs> you know, um, so, yeah, I, I could see how that could happen. And with the amount of wealth that was pilfered out of that that war, um, they would have been able to finance pretty much anything that they wanted to, including this entire movement. So basically you're saying this is sort of like the base of our shadow government. You got it. That's exactly what it is. Right. And anytime there's a shadow government, a secret government, which are chapters in future esoteric in the secret section, you cannot have transparency mm -hmm. by the nature of all these secrets. So this is part of the problem we find ourselves in now. Mm -hmm. It has gone so deep and so comprehensive and so compartmentalized that it's mm -hmm. hard even for insiders to get the full picture if you're mm -hmm. one of those whistleblowers who come out with it. Mm -hmm. and, and so a researcher like myself, I'm just kind of piecing together what we can get and then trying to paint this mosaic, this big picture of mm -hmm. what's really going on. And that's why it's a very right. much esoteric history, esoteric science, mm -hmm. esoteric uh, right. politics in how right. they have managed to not only create this globalist world order, but mm -hmm. uh, are now implementing it with uh, some very dastardly and mm -hmm. uh, but dubious ways of going about it. Yeah, absolutely. Some of it's like hidden in plain sight. And this is an example. Which Tomas is one of the national parks in the United States had rail cars with World War II German signs on them. That's like, why would you want to do that? I, I mean, I know there's, you have a lot of whole naysayers um, about that. I, I was in um, possession of a personal collection that belonged to uh, an officer who's also a dentist. And um, there's a long story about this. I, I can actually, you know, send that to you um, just to save time here. But the collection was private and they had heard of this specific collection. Um, but there were always just copies. And I happened to have all the original photographs because it came from like a doctor, dentist sort of thing. I've, and, you know, I can't, things find me. And so I'll just leave that right there. But I eventually donated this collection, Holocaust collection to a friend of mine who I think, I think now it's going to end up in a, in a museum, which is where it belongs. Um, and anybody who says these atrocities weren't a thing, you know, these are images I, I can never unsee. And, yeah. um, you know, there, there's just a lot with that. To think that this could have come to this part of the world and to continue on behind the scenes is just, it's just atrocious to me. Uh, Amelia, yeah, she's just, you know, co-hosting from the chat room tonight. So everything evil is always hidden in plain sight. We need to be more observant. I think that's a big part of it is we need to be more observant. When you talk about secret sciences, um, what kind of secret sciences are we talking aside from just, you know, reverse engineering? Because they had a fascination with a lot of weird, crazy things. Oh, yeah. Right? The perfect race, the twin thing. Like, I mean, there was a lot of crazy things that they were into.
Sorry, and they're not really crazy. They're actually uh, starting to come out now as healing modalities, such as the Rife machine, which was using frequency to just shatter cancer. So everything in the world has a frequency. Yes. Uh, you and me, a, a resonant frequency is very individual to our, our DNA. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. very specific, uh, right. just like every solid piece of matter, including cancer. Right. So if you find what that resonant frequency is, a certain kind of cancer in a person, mm -hmm. Rife, who uh, uh, almost 100 years ago was using this microscope that he developed to look at that cancer, find what the frequency is, and then use these Rife frequencies to cure cancer. And right. he was having a 100% success rate before uh, the powers that be came in and crushed him. And we right. see this time and time again. I mean, this is the story of Nikola Tesla as well. It is. But other secret yeah. sciences, and that's a chapter in Future Esoteric. Right. Uh, one that's really fascinated me, and, and actually I was on a Ancient Aliens TV show talking about auditive levitation. Yes. And the example that I give in the secret sciences chapter was about a doctor from Sweden who was asked to come out a uh, hundred years ago to a monastery in Tibet. Uh, yes. There was certain Western medicine treatments that were actually beneficial to the Tibetan people. And he cured a very high level Lama who was very grateful and said, well, now we'd like to repay the favor and uh, show you something that we do here. Mm -hmm. And it is along the lines of auditive levitation. Some of Dr. Jarl's illustrations I reproduce in Future Esoteric mm -hmm. in some of the in in the secret sciences chapter in the back of the chapter I always have illustrations and photos mm. yes. and so you can see when uh, Dr. Jarl went out there he went out to uh, a Tibetan plateau location where they wanted to move some rocks up to a level and so the rock was in the middle and they created three concentric horseshoe rings around the blocks mm -hmm. uh, one level of rings were all the drummers the next level were the trumpeteers the, those long tibetan trumpets mm -hmm. and then the vast majority were all the rest of the monks who came out from the monastery in the third ring and they would start this melodic chant rhythm uh frequency through their voice and through mm -hmm. the drums and the trumpets and the rock just started to move. And then when they all looked up, it would move up to the ledge. Wow. Using this auditive levitation technique where we're still trying to play catch up and learn how to do this. But mm -hmm. they did it partly through the resonant frequency of their voices and sound, mm -hmm. but also of their mental abilities. And, mm -hmm. and that I found out recently was also part of how they did it is that they were all latched onto it mentally. So mm -hmm. when like the boulder started shaking, yeah, then they looked up and they were actually visually placing it up on that ledge. Wow. And then an ox drawn cart would come in, they'd place another rock and do it all over again. And you saw them do it half a dozen times. That's discipline because you have yeah. to work as a collective to be able to, to have that kind of focus, which is like amazing to me. But I mean, everything, I mean, frequencies do heal, you know, on so many levels. Um, I, I think, 
you know, we actually have medicine talking about that a little bit now, but you know, we don't get the full gambit like uh, yes. many of the spiritual people do. <laughs> so, right. um, you know, I mean, that's what you're talking about is an entirely different level. And it's just phenomenal to me. Makes you wonder, have you ever heard of the, um, oh, what is it, um, in Florida, the Coral, Coral Castle? Castle? Yes. Yeah. And and there's that same theory that he was able to levitate some of these stones. That's, you know. Yeah kind of what went around with that what are your thoughts on that do you think one man could have done that well he did and he, <laughs> he he famously worked alone in the middle of the night yeah. his name was ed lee scalin yes and I, I went i was speaking at a conference a couple of years ago and i said oh you got to take me down to see the coral castle in florida right. and, and my host did she was very gracious and she'd never been there it's oh. amazing how many people live in miami and have never and been to never the go. coral castle <laughs> yeah. and get this michelle the Coral Castle is the only modern megalithic building in the world. Really? Only one that's built wow. in the last hundred years. Wow. And it was built by one little guy who's only like 99 pound weakling uh, from Latvia. And he built this whole complex mm -hmm. called the Coral Castle in devotion to his sweet 16. This yeah. woman from his home country who stood him up at his wedding. Wow. And so he moved out here. Yeah, he was a heartbroken guy. Aww. But he had it in him to build single-handedly this uh, megalithic stone yeah. complex. And right. he would quarry the stones himself. Uh, it was mm -hmm. originally at another location. And he needed to move it to the next location. Yeah. And so he, he ordered a flatbed truck to show up at the first location. And mm -hmm. they said, well, we'll give you a hand moving those stones. He says, oh, I don't need it. Just come back tomorrow morning and uh, it'll be all fully loaded and we'll we'll move it out there. And sure enough, it was. Chuck pulled up to the current location and they said, you sure you don't need help uh, unloading it? No, I didn't need your help loading it. Just come back and tomorrow. Not only off the truck, but already some of them set in place. He did wow. that all alone. Wow. And uh, a couple of kids... It's in Homestead, Florida, the location. A couple of kids in Homestead decided mm -hmm. they were going to spy on him. Right. And that they was said my he question. had these uh, cone-shaped wands that he would work with, mm -hmm. and then he'd also have all kinds of levers and pulleys. He was an expert in moving that. And, Michelle, right. there's still some stones that he had placed so strategically mm -hmm. that a child can spin them. Many ton-blocked stones including a door that a little child could open that weighed about eight tons. The larger stones weighed 33 tons and he moved them single-handedly. Wow. Not only did he place them uh, in, in this closed perimeter megalithic wall structure with his own little small mm -hmm. castle there where he lived, yeah. but he also created uh, astronomical alignments. So he put up obelisks, which wow. would, uh, would, be able to watch the movement of celestial bodies. So the guy was in tune to something sure to was. allow him to do that. And then question, he said, how did you do this? He yeah. would never give away his secrets. The only thing he said was he knew the secrets of how the Egyptians built the pyramids in Egypt. That was the only clue he gave. Right. So clearly yeah. uh, some kind of reincarnated ascended master with I would the think knowledge. So. Yeah. Well, you yeah. sure tapped into to an ancient technology or a futuristic 
technology, but it, it's it's just one of those stories that is just so fascinating. Um, another, something else that's really fascinating you touched on a little bit was um, the looking glass. Now, when you talk about the looking glass, are you talking about the looking glass in general? You're talking about the chronovisor. What are you? What, yeah. what is your whole take on that? Because we've had some people kind of dabble with it, but apparently this is a resurgence. Like the people that is a resurgence. Well, yeah. first of all, looking glass comes from Alice in Wonderland. Yes, that she she had a a form yeah. of looking glass, and I think the uh, the projects borrowed that name. A yes. looking glass is kind of like an umbrella term. Mm -hmm. We have many different time travel as yeah. well as devices that would let you peer into the future or the past. Right. Well, now the, the future is nothing but a series of probabilities. So it can change in time. And that, that's what the chronovisor was originally developed to do. Right. And then the aliens who did a uh, demonstration for some of our generals uh, in 1964 showed them the yellow cube. And that is what's featured on my third book in the series, Beyond Esoteric. That's yeah, we're a that one too. <laughs> of yeah. the yellow cube. Yeah. Yes. We talked about that last time. So if your listeners yes. want to go back and, and get that interview. But yeah. so even the Stargate technology, and I reproduced an image of the Stargate, which was discovered in Egypt uh, over 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's one of the looking glass technologies, just to use a, a mm -hmm. broad general term to describe it all. Mm -hmm. And so some of these devices have been uh, co-opted by the black hats and they have been trying to game the future using the chronovisor, the looking glass, as well as people jumping through the Stargate. Now it's called the uh, jump room, which yeah. is a version yeah. of, of a Stargate. Mm -hmm. but is in this category of looking glass technology. Mm -hmm. And they've been using it to try to game us onto timeline two scenario. Right. Right. And that is the destruction of the earth becoming like avatar movie where we're just going out and exploiting planets rather than the star Trek future of benevolent mm -hmm. humans who are working with other extraterrestrial group right. groups and bringing forth uh, a better world for all of us. That's what science does mm -hmm. is it builds upon what is already known. And mm -hmm. so the, the, the looking glass technology has now been um, co-opted by the white hats, the good guys. Right. And there is this group now called the guardians of the looking glass who yes. are putting out warnings. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. About things to come, false flag operations the first one that they highlighted was last month, and they said that there would be a, a shooting, a, a big uh, kerfluffle in New York City, mm -hmm. and it, it needs to be curtailed because mm -hmm. it's going to be blamed on the Russians, and they're going to try to use it as a, as a way to get Americans to believe that we need to fight the Russians mm -hmm. in Ukraine or mm -hmm. whatever else. That's the thing about false flags is they're always just trying to – Blame mm -hmm. it on a perceived enemy, but right. it's a state-sponsored terrorist. And what happened in New York City last month was there was that shooting in the subway, and the guy was wearing a gas mask, and he was trying to gas them, and he was shooting them up. 29 people got injured. Fortunately, none died. Yes. That false flag was largely derailed. Notice how we don't hear a single peep about that in the news anymore. 
Nope. Had it gone the way they wanted it to, it would be still, I'm sure. We'd still be talking about through. it. Yeah. Right. Right. So the guardians of the looking glass are actually using the looking glass to say, being mm-hmm. a little cattle tail and saying, here's another mm-hmm. false flag we got to watch out for. So the one in May, which could still erupt, is an anthrax scare in Washington, D.C., right. is what they said. Now, just the fact that we know that mm-hmm. it could occur is right. how we can prevent it from happening, right? right? So the skeptics will say, well, you're just saying that this is going to happen. It never happens. Right. And so what are you talking How about? You know well, you're really stopping it and it's really right. a thing. But what people don't realize with the guardians of the looking glass is allegedly they are ex-military who were made privy right. to be, to this technology pretty early on and just sort of let their sight go for a while, like without, you know, really doing much with it. But then again, this resurgence, all of a sudden now they're like, is going on (laughs) you know everybody's tuning into them so obviously people want the truth and we we can't rely on mainstream media (laughs) right i know what i always say is (laughs) if you want to get the perspective of the globalists and let them tell you how to think then knock yourself out go watch all the mainstream media you want but me and you and i'm sure your listeners is just one big waste of time you're not getting the truth at all you're getting Uh, propaganda i have a friend uh mine in san francisco we talk about these things and he Mm -hmm. he grew up in soviet union he said no in times of soviet union uh we knew it's propaganda on pravda everybody Mm -hmm. knew it and it was just a big joke but you here in america you get your propaganda too but you don't even know it and uh, that's pretty true. Most Americans don't even yeah. they watch mainstream media. Oh, I watch Fox because that's the opposing side. No, it's not. It's all controlled it's, it's opposition. Really, yeah, it's all really pretty much the same thing. There's 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 a formula. Um, you know, so like like most television, there's a formula. All your favorite shows have a formula. <laughs> if it's a certain genre show, it's going to have a certain formula. I know well, this. Call it I've spent 20 years working reason, in television. Right? I can tell you there are formulas. <laughs> so um, I completely agree with you uh, on that. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of documentation even as to how how governments and militaries use the media as a tool. So if that's right. out there and, 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 and there are actual, you know, documents on this or, or papers written on this. And I, I think you have to maybe consider that it's a possibility if anything, you know, uh, Amelia says out of all the tech geniuses and Nobel winners, who in your opinion got it right <laughs> that we heard? Well, of. Tesla was never nominated <laughs> for uh, Yeah, sadly. Noble. He should have got one. Um, but he's the tech guy who. Yeah, that, I, I don't even know if I have an answer to that because it's, it's again, it's controlled opposition. If mm-hmm. you do the kind of science that the globalists want you to do, then you'll get a Nobel yeah. Prize. Uh, right. I have a chapter in Future Esoteric in the secret section called Media Manipulation. And I do have links and resources and documents that I drew from to write mm-hmm. this chapter to show how much has been manipulated and. Yes. It's it's all just fantasy. Don't right. even bother with it. Right, right. Um, here's somebody I should connect you with, and I'll fill you in on it later. Mockingbird Media, owned by Deep State CIA. The truth is coming from whistleblowers, and we all get gang stalked and death threats. Yep. Good point, Penny. We sure uh, do. I'll connect hey, you to you later. Here's I'll, the thing. I'll message you later, Brad. <laughs> so you'll love it. 
Well, here's the thing, Michelle. They got all the money in the world. They own the printing machines and the Federal yeah. Reserve and all the central banks around the world. So they got control of the money yeah. so they can hire and buy and pay for all the judges, all the politicians. They're all in their pockets. Yeah. And by them, I, I mean the globalists, this, mm -hmm. this council on 300. And I just had a, a really great conversation at the conference today here in Sedona with yeah. uh, someone who knows a bit about these things. And my question was, because he says he's in constant contact with benevolent ET groups. And my question was, who really runs the world? And he said, yeah, it's a, it's a council of 300, the ones we've heard about, this Davos group. You know, you can look at uh, the, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. They're really more the colonels to the real generals who he said, who's really running the planet? He said, it is the reptilian agenda. That's mm -hmm. why things are so sex, drugs, and rock and roll in the media. They just love that. They love us right. to They're be incited to violence. Yeah, sex and <laughs> right. violence. Yeah, blood right. ritual. Do it. Right. We want right. to see it. We want some of that. They get off on it. That's called louche. That right. is our human right. emotion, which is actually food to them. Right. That's how sick and dark and deep it goes. Mm -hmm. That's why the subtitle of Beyond Esoteric, my latest book in this series, is Escaping Prison Planet. Because right. we absolutely have to know the ways and the means that they're using to manipulate us to mm -hmm. get what they want. And right. in many regards, humans are just livestock to them. Mm -hmm. We are just chattel. Uh, much in the same way that we have cows and pigs and chickens mm -hmm. in our, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, they're, they're our livestock. Well, we're livestock to them. So mm -hmm. there's a chapter in Beyond Esoteric called being aware of predatory species. We like to think we're on the top of the totem pole, but we're not. Right. And they right. will uh, come for those that they want to consume, which are mainly adolescents. Because you and I, Michelle, we've been alive long enough. We've accumulated so many toxins that they expose us to. We're just tough. Yeah, we're, we don't we're taste as good. Yeah. Unfortunately <laughs> no. not. So yeah. congratulations. Right. You made it this long. <laughs> yeah. Might as well Ooh. keep going. I know. I'm sour. That's you. what it is. <laughs> A little volatile and too sour. Um, <laughs> I th you know, it's funny because even when you go back into, um, back in time to the Gnostics and the Gnostic teachings they spoke of beings called archons which were right and and yeah. and they would literally feed off of the energy of of humanity and they would cause all this negativity because they needed that to feed and you know as you learn more about them you you, you kind of wonder were one of the same as as you know these the reptilians who are here, aside from the difference that archons apparently don't, they can't survive here. They can't make it here. Right. Let's unpack the archons a little bit because this is really, this is really important for people to understand. Okay. The, it's more of an archonic network. And I would say on the top of that archonic network, let's talk in terms of a totem pole again, mm -hmm. are once again, the reptilians. Right. They are the controllers of the archonic network. Uh, next tier down could be the gray aliens, mm -hmm. which, by the way, all gray aliens are test tube babies. They're all um, they're all created in a mm -hmm. laboratory. Uh, many would say they have no souls. I would tend mm -hmm. to agree with that. Uh, the, the reptilians do. Reptilians have souls. They are natural born as well. Mm 
-hmm. and they take care of their own. Nobody slips through the cracks. Right. There are no starving reptilians. There are no, unless they get lost in a mission or something. Right. Um, but they take care of their own. We don't. Humans do not take care of our own. No, it's true. Perhaps it's by manipulation that we mm. don't. We should and we will in the future. That's mm -hmm. how we enter the golden age and the age of transparency. We mm. have to. We yeah. have to look after. We're only as advanced as the lowest common denominator. So every starving child there is in Africa and around the world is a reflection on the human race. That's mm -hmm. as good as we've gotten. That one fifth of the human race is going to bed starving tonight. Mm -hmm. Well done, humans. Way to go. You're really looking out for your own. Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, that's manipulation. So let's not blame ourselves. Mm -hmm. Let's blame the control mechanism. And that control mechanism is the Archonic Network. So let's unpack it a little bit. What are Archons? Well, it has been recognized by shamans and those seers in tribal communities all the way up to uh, Aleister Crowley and uh, mm -hmm. some of the black magicians who have tapped into this network to get what they need done. And mm -hmm. you can do that. So now it gives new meaning to making a deal with the devil, doesn't it? Yeah, you can do that, but be careful what you wish for. And mm -hmm. you know how all the famous people are doing all this stupid shit? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. unfortunately, that's a sign that they've made that deal. Why? You mm -hmm. want to get famous? You want to get rich? Really? You're going to sell your soul for that? Mm -hmm. Bad move. Real bad move. Right. And again, this is manipulation of the Archonic Network. Mm -hmm. And so below them are uh, these entities which do not have material form at all. Uh, they are the jinn in terms of a Middle Eastern nice. discussion of them. They are uh, what we would call the archons. This is so this is uh, Carlos Castaneda spoke about his shamanic master, Don Juan, who mm. would intercede with this archonic network. And they are so they are these fourth dimensional entities that we can barely catch a glimpse of now and again, mm -hmm. because we're so locked into these third dimensional mm -hmm. bodies, this third dimensional reality mm -hmm. that, that we're just so dense and we're so thick. We can't see who and what they are. Mm -hmm. They're here all around us. Right. And guess what? They don't like happy people at all. Yeah. Why? Because they can't get into us. They mm -hmm. can't manipulate us. They can't bring us to that fear or anger state where mm -hmm. we're creating louche. Right. right. And that's food right. to them. That's right. So we're a food source to them. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm saying it's so important to understand this because when we cut it off, when you bring yourself up into a happier state, mm -hmm. you mean nothing to them. Mm -hmm. And why do you think there's a depopulation agenda, an anti-human depopulation agenda, which we're seeing the ugly face of it rear its head day upon day. Mm -hmm. Every bad news piece of information you get is mm -hmm. because they're trying to bring us there collectively mm -hmm. to keep us in control. Look, because when we're in an anger state, when we're fearful, we're most controllable them. And that's mm -hmm. what these MK Ultra Nazi scientists were also doing mm -hmm. was to harm us, is, is to collectively keep us down. Mm -hmm. But the great awakening is all of us understanding what they're up to and saying, mm -hmm. no more, not right. me. You ain't right. going to play with me no more. Right. And so more and more of us who are waking up to this mm -hmm. can not only protect ourselves from these predatory species, 
mm-hmm. but also help others awaken to it as well. And that's what it's going to take. Right. Michelle, the revolution is consciousness. Mm-hmm. The revolution of all of us is just waking up. We don't mm-hmm. go out in the streets and fight them eye for eye, tooth for tooth. We'll get slaughtered. We'll mm-hmm. lose a lot of great uh, light workers that way. Mm-hmm. We just have to wake up and laugh at them and yeah. make fun of them. High vibes, as they say. Yeah, the yeah. one thing they can't stand yeah. is awakened humans who see mm-hmm. through their agenda. And, that, and that's what I was getting to before I didn't get to the final point mm-hmm. is that's what the globalists fear the most is mm-hmm. when we hijack the narrative that we start to make our own rules mm-hmm. of engagement, when we start to make our own mm-hmm. concepts of how this world is really run mm-hmm. and take away their narrative, then they fail. Then right. it's game over and right. we win. So, so basically, yeah, that mind everybody that, and, and I, I told this even to some people I, who I know who are just so despondent and ready to check out and considering mm-hmm. suicide. He said, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You are here for a very specific reason. And mm-hmm. this could very well be almost all of our last lifetimes here on earth. So mm-hmm. you really have to make the most of it. Right. And just by being aware of it, the right. consciousness is, is the revolution, yeah. being a part of it, uh, right. you know, being that part all of that raising vibrations yep. um i have to actually do a quick uh quick station id so for those who are just tuning in you're listening to the outer realm with myself michelle deroche and amelia Vazano, who is in chat and our amazing guest brad olson talking about book two yes people future esoteric the hidden realms the unseen realms Unseen realms. I'm sorry. Look at me being just a That's terrible. That's the iconic network right there. <laughs> it's like it's just roll off right there. <laughs> oh my God. Apparently not. Um, we are fully sponsored by amazing, amazing sponsors. Folgers Coffee. Thank you. That's right. Woo. Let's love that stuff. And of course, Dr. Snick, um, Justin Snicker, who is our award-winning composer responsible for our intro and outro. And tonight, oh my gosh, we're just talking about all kinds of things. And uh, man, I don't even know. I mean, there's still so much in this book and we've got like a half hour left. Um, But I am just, I'm going to fast forward a little bit because I do want to, um, I do want to try to get more. As we're talking about, you know, we've, we've talked about the different looking glass technology we've talked about time travel a little bit um what about men in black this is something that is this you know what are they i mean that we're talking black ops we're talking men in black we're talking about i guess i kind of look at them as just strong men for you know for military government maybe shadow government don't let anybody talk about anything. Just threaten them. Right. It's been going on since like Roswell. Yeah. Right. So. so and that's of... a chapter in uh, the Cosmos <laughs> section <laughs> of Future Esoteric Men in Black. Right. And yeah, I, there. Uh, and I propose all the different scenarios of who they might be, but you have to understand they used to show up when people would have a contact experience before we had these things right. to call our friends or take a picture or a video, we'd mm-hmm. go to a payphone, right? I saw right. a UFO. I just came face to face with an alien. They'd be running to go to a payphone or to tell their friends. Mm-hmm. 
And before they could even open their mouth, they were confronted with these men in black mm-hmm. who would telepathically threaten them. So is this government agency that does it? Why do they always wear the, the, the dark glasses to disguise their eyes? Mm-hmm. Well, they're probably hybrids. They're probably ET human hybrids right, who have telepathic abilities and who eyes are the dead giveaway. Right. And they're often bald too. They have no hair. That's why they wear the fedoras. Uh, and right. they have been captured on uh, closed circuit TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I reproduced some of the photos, some of the best photos of the men in black in, mm-hmm. in the chapter. And so why were they so concerned about people having these contacts exactly. or UFO? Yeah. So exactly. they were obviously helping to cover it up. And right. in the early years, there was probably an agenda that had to be met, right? Mm-hmm. They were coming out and doing this work to silence mm-hmm. people telepathically. Now, they would never threaten anyone overtly. No. Right. That's what's re- also really interesting. Right. But the people who they came in contact with, not only have they just had this momentous, life-changing mm-hmm. sighting or experience, and then they're confronted with the men in black saying, you better shut the F up right? or terrible things are going to happen to you. Right. And once in a while, some of those contactees would talk and things would happen to them. So there was enough to know Good to that, know, uh, yeah, security cameras and I with Paul Spano. <laughs> there are famous ones too. Yeah, real famous ones. Video footage as well right. and where you can make out their faces and they – do look scary. <laughs> they do look right. like they, they right. mean business. They and the other thing is they would they... drive these very old cars too, like these 1950 black Cadillacs. Right. And uh, Carrie Cassidy's a, a friend of mine. I've done s- several shows with her on Camelot. And, yeah. and we were talking about the men in black one time. And she was saying that up in Northern California, where I live, uh, there is a very infamous base. I'll tell you a quick story on this. This is a good one. Yeah. So in the and in the in future esoteric, I have a chapter on underground bases. Yeah. One of which right. is this underground base in wine country up in Northern California. Some of the most desired vineyard land, farmland in the world. Yes. And so there's this base there. It was even in the Napa uh, Sentinel, I think is the name of the newspaper. And I reprint the quote in the book of a giant subterrain, these these nuclear-powered machines. And Mm -hmm. I show a picture of it in the Underground Bases chapter. It's like 10, 20 stories tall. They're massive. And they're nuclear-powered, so they do not need to be refueled. Mm -hmm. They're just like a mole that can go eight kilometers a day and create these massive holes Mm -hmm. as big as the machine is. And since they're nuclear-powered, they literally vitrify the rock. And what that means is they melt it. They melt the rock to create this perfect sheen and support for the tunnels. Mm -hmm. And there are no tailing mounds. There's nothing that comes out. If you go to all the the old mine sites in Northern California, the gold and silver mine, you'll see all these tailing mounds, these terrible toxic mounds that won't even support uh, tree or plant life anymore because they're just, it's just toxic Mm -hmm. because they, extracted the metals out of there and got it out. So anyways, mm-hmm. we're talking about the men in black with Carrie 
And she said, well, there's this site where these cars will just drive right into the mountain and disappear. And I said, isn't that interesting, Carrie? Because that's where this really infamous human trafficking underground base, which I've been following Gene Decode very closely. I'm waiting for this one to get taken out. Not only does it have those geothermal features, which can provide energy and heat and uh, hot water. There's a place called the Geysers in Northern California and Calistoga, yes. an old faithful. We have our own old faithful that erupts there. Uh, yes. And it's at this point where there's the base. So what I did was I followed the uh, Oakville grade where the Napa Sentinel said the subterrain went up and entered into the mountain to start creating this underground base where these men in black cars are seen just disappearing into the side of the mountain. Mm -hmm. So get this, I get up there with my cell phone and I want to start doing some recording. Wouldn't work. Camera would never, would not work. It's first time that's ever happened. I Is go there some kind of electromagnetic just, field there. That's what I told Carrie. And she says, Oh ah. yeah, they have that technology. It's a jamming device. Ah. They don't, but, because I found the entrance where the subterranean went. And it's right at the top of the Oakville grade. You'll see the, the scar on the side of the mountain is still there. They put in a firehouse uh, right. building that's not being used is kind of disguised. But it looks and good. for, for a hundred yards, my phone yeah. would not work. And I have a witness wow. there that we were trying to take some pictures and videos. You couldn't do it. Wow. And so that's this base where they're doing human trafficking. And a lot of people have gone missing in wine country, particularly uh, white tourists from Europe. And so they pull into uh, one of the vineyards and the person would say, oh, where are you guys from? Oh, you're from Germany. Wow, that's great. Did you come here alone? Oh, that's great. You know, the next vineyard up, I'm going to give you some free passes and you can go down and see the wine cellars there. And they would take the tour and never come out. They would get wow. snatched. They, they would disappear the rental car. And then it would just be a missing person. We don't know where they went. They, they, they just disappeared. So get this. Not only would they get the, the Europeans or whoever else that they could feel that they could snatch, mm -hmm. but it's also a human trafficking hub with Bohemian Grove, which is also up there, <laughs> which also has a hearty appetite for these kind of adolescents to also go missing. I don't know how much. Yeah, there we go. Good old Napa, Ukiah. <laughs> but that's part of it. You got to understand these underground bases can be massive and they can go for dozens or even up to a hundred miles in extent. And so the interesting thing about the, the subterranean that went in at the Oakville grade, Michelle, it's never come out. It's still creating, going on and creating still. Uh, passages. So we have one of the most notorious underground bases in Northern California. The other one is in Dulce, New Mexico, which goes down many layers. And mm -hmm. in Beyond Esoteric, I talk about the uh, the unusual story of uh, Phil Schneider, yes, who was yes. in the Dulce Wars there and, and got his mm -hmm. hand burned off and these deep scars yeah. that he used to show at some of his presentations. You can still mm -hmm. watch the old videos and see it. Yeah. Um that when you hear about an earthquake 10 kilometers down, because that's what they're all coming in at, mm -hmm. Dulce, New Mexico, or the Geysers, California, do a little fish shake. 
because that means the Alliance has taken out these bases. And those are two that have not gone down yet. And they are two of the worst known underground bases here in North America. Wow. Wow. So um, it's, it's hard to even fathom uh, really that it's all going on, but you know, there's this going on everywhere. Um, hybrids. Mm. I imagine some of these places also house and hide hybrids. What are your thoughts on hybrids? And create hybrids. Dulce, New Mexico. It's called the Nightmare Hall, where abducted humans are just screaming. It's the worst nightmare that you could ever imagine. I illustrate it. I write about it just because I think people have a right to know and they need to know about this. You know that there are 40,000 Americans that go missing in this country every single year. Just poof, gone. No idea where they are. You know, we see a little glimpse of them on the back of milk cartons now and again but nowhere near the total 40,000 missing every year. And that's FBI statistics. Mm -hmm. Where do they go? Well, some of them into these underground bases, never to be seen from again, like the Nightmare Hall. Uh, others off planet. And, and I have the great opportunity and honor of being a moderator of super soldiers at some of these conferences that I speak at. And one common theme is the human trafficking that's going on. It's and, and none of these guys are happy about talking about it and they were powerless to do anything because sometimes these people are like, please, please help me. And they can't do anything. They're already mm -hmm. off planet. And a lot of them are just to be disposed mm -hmm. of, used as body parts uh, or prostitution. Mm -hmm. And my friend, Tony Rodriguez was in the programs. He lived on the colony series his new book has just come out describing it all. Mm. It's called Series Colony, another C letter word. You can find it, Tony Rodriguez. And he, mm. uh, he lived with some of the uh, prostitutes from Earth that were, mm -hmm. they, would, they were just waiting to die. They, they had nothing to live for. Mm -hmm. um, many of them will get their memory swiped, but very, very few will ever make it back. Right. It's just very unfortunate, but again, People need to know this. It's People have to understand wow. this. And wow. if somebody you know has gone missing, mm. it's, it's very unfortunate. Wow. Another chapter in Future Esoteric is about cattle mutilation and human abductions. Mm. And, I, and I bring mm. light to, to many of these uh, very sordid facts of cattle, 1,800-pound mm. males crashing through the roof. There was just a video that was released uh, a month or two ago of this massive cow coming through, uh, captured on camera, just falling through the ceiling, bam! And all Jeez. the cows kind of look up, and they just go back to eating. Wow. Uh, but the way that they are operated on uh, and dissected using laser precision instruments to core mm -hmm. out their rectums, mm -hmm. to take the soft tissues of their eyes or their lips might be missing or mm -hmm. pieces of their neck uh, and all the red blood cells, being extracted from those animals and then mm. they don't want the meat they don't want anything else they just mm -hmm. throw them back in the farmer's field um did you know michelle that in case of an extreme emergency say if it was life or death if you're bleeding out and you have no other recourse you could use cow blood and live it wouldn't be good for you you'd need a blood transfusion but you'd live long enough to 
to get that. So we have wow. a lot of similarities with mammals. Mm-hmm. And right. I would say that part of the cattle mutilation phenomenon is because some of these body parts, the red blood cells in particular, are also a food source. To who? The gray aliens. They use a mixture of this that they rub on their skin. That's how they eat. So again, we need to be aware of predatory species. Are they not AI? They -hmm. actually, are they not artificial intelligence? Like these are actual, you know, uh, the grace because they're different races, That's the way they eat. My understanding, it's a a slurry of. uh, Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I get it. Blood and other nutrients from living mammals that they consume. They need. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just trying to keep up because I know there's different races of them. And when you're mentioning that they were basically created in a laboratory, you know, I'm thinking, cause I know there's also stories of, of greys being artificial intelligence or, you know, holograms or so um, these, I guess, are the greys that work from or work with probably the reptilians. Would that be right? Again, all under the Arconic network. Got it. Reptilians okay. yeah. being on top. Several species right. of greys okay. as their underlings that take their orders. That's the hive mind of, of these right. workers that do the, the dirty work. You know, right. we also have to include the MyLabs, the military right. laboratories, which are also doing human abductions, which are also doing animal mutilations and giving what mm-hmm. these right. uh, entities need over to them. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason we don't see a lot of cattle mutilations anymore, it was creating too many alarms. And uh, I'm calling a cow. <laughs> I know uh, Linda Moulton Howe's done a lot of research in that yeah. field. And Christopher right. O'Brien, who did the book on the, the Mystery Valley. I know these guys. I've talked to them many times. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're in the... In, in the uh, agreement that the the reason why we don't see a lot of these cattle being just dropped anymore mm-hmm. in the field still happens. Like I said, the, the, yeah. the cow coming through the ceiling right. is because now they have certain drop areas in our national parks. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know this, but a lot of the big national parks have certain areas where no people can go. No mm-hmm. one at all. A big right. one here in uh, Arizona, up in Grand Canyon. It has all the names of uh, Egyptian gods, of the Isis Needle and the Osiris oh, Plateau, and right. so many different. That's just one of many of these big national parks that have no-go zones. Right. And according to some of these super soldiers, now they're just dropping carcasses on X marks the spot, and then right. uh, it's just carrying to the other animals and bears and other. We'll go right. there, including recycling. <laughs> yeah. Recycling. Yeah. Good one, Penny. Look out for the cow dropping as opposed to the cow crossing. Yeah. Yeah. That that's my, yeah. Um, It's, it's, I don't think I know you hear about this a lot in the States and even Skinwalker Ranch was having issues with that. I don't think we have much of that up in Canada, to be honest. Like if we do. Oh yeah, you do. Do we really? So I heard of Nelson, BC, Canada. That was the big, a lot of, some of the super soldiers, including um, Casbald 
And um, uh, who's a guy that died in uh, Sweden, uh, very mysterious circumstances, had black goo coming out of his mouth just oh, before he was going to give a presentation. They said that oh, they were. Yeah. Was a whistle. Okay. Yeah. I know the guy, Max, 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 Sparks. Max Spears. That's it. That's right. Max yes. Spears. Yes. I heard he was actually sacrificed. Max Could Spears. be something really weird happened. The guy was in perfect wow. health and he yeah. uh, died under very mysterious circumstances right before, just like Phil Schneider, who said, I'm going to come out with some big bombshells and then mm -hmm. they get off. They were going to present at conferences and the whole things get filmed and get out mm -hmm. there. And they were silenced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Max Spears and James Casbolt and others who were also test tube human super soldier babies. They even mm -hmm. admit it. You can see them say it in their own words on some of their videos mm -hmm. that they were out of the underground base at Nelson, BC, Canada. And isn't it interesting that the queen of England herself went there to some of the native American uh reservations you call them first nation peoples that's right yeah. and they would select children and take them out and those kids would never be seen from again and yeah. now what are they finding mass yeah. graves of some of these children Everywhere. in canada yeah. don't think you're immune i don't think any mm -hmm. country is immune no uh they're doing what they need to do because they control the narrative right mm -hmm. so when right. we have these kind of conversations and we bring light to it that doesn't work for them they don't no. like this. No, no, no. John no. Polk's laughing in the background. He I can't, know. He can't I can't control him. We've only got a few million people listening tonight. No biggie. <laughs> you know, I don't know how the archive will do, but he can't stop live radio. But, but, oh. um, yeah. So, um, sounds like an uphill battle more than anything but well, you talk about battle but yeah. the more of us that know what's going on the, the more we're gonna right. get closer to victory let's just say right because right. the war is about consciousness it's controlling yes. the narrative it's taking it back and saying hey this is our reality this has been robbed from us mm -hmm. and we want it back and we are not going to let these mm -hmm. globalists and their et handlers look the 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 real generals are the reptilians and this was just Reconfirmed to me at the conference. Yeah. Well, who who are big? Who are like who supersede them? Like who? Well, underneath them are like Rothschilds and Rockefellers. Well, what about over them? Like there's some there's yeah, there some elite no families here that a lot of people don't them. even know about that don't well, come out to the public. Like are they? There are insectoids. They're part of it too. Mm -hmm. They're kind of a hive mind. I would also put them in the Archon yeah. network. But really, mm -hmm. who's running the show is Reptilian ETs. Now, yeah, David Alex Collier, who came out last year at uh, the Mount Shasta Summer Conference, and he's coming back. He said publicly, he's like, I haven't done a public presentation in 20 years, and right mm -hmm. after this, I'm going into retirement again. But right. Rob Potter, the host of the show, he's going to bring him out of retirement again, and I got a great opportunity to sit down and talk to him and John mm -hmm. Polk's going to be doing Skywatch tours at Mount Shasta. So come on out. There may be some tickets available. And I love it. Come and meet us and, and yes. get to hear Alex Collier talk. So he wow. is an Andromedian contactee from the time he was a little kid. Right. One of the few people I know that have recollection of being aboard a craft and can right. describe it and tell you how they do it. Mm -hmm. Fly these things mentally, by the way. 
Right. Uh, that's why there's no screens. There's no hand gears. Uh, what they do yeah. is they sit in one of the chairs, like the Montauk chair, and sometimes even wear a headband. And their suit also is part of the ship. Right. But he he has said that. Um, <laughs> I need to connect you with some people, Brad. I do need to connect you with some people. I think that might just blow your right mind. Right on. I will. I will. Because just with things that you're saying now, it's you know how sometimes it's like synchronicities, right? Things just, we're just supposed to come across people to, to shall I say, be part of this big network of of. Of, of the collective and putting it out there and helping with awareness. And I'm going to connect you with some couple of interesting people. <laughs> so, and then you're going to go, what? Sounds great. <laughs> well, well, what I wanted to say before yes. we run out of time here is Alex Collier was saying that ever since nine 11, right. the big false flag attack, right. The Andromedians saw in their future that, Humans were going to be a terror in the universe. We were going to be like uh, Avatar movie and just be exploiting other planets and be a real menace. So they knew that the tyranny, the neo-fascism started on 9-11 and that all this builds from there. So yeah. they had to take a vote in the Galactic Federation Council. And Alex Collier, hopefully he's going to talk about this more. I can't see him not. Mm. up in Mount Shasta because they made a, a deal that we have to, we have to clean up earth. It's going to be too big of a problem. It's going to affect all of us. And look, right. they're going to get this high technology. They're already blowing up atomic bombs, mm -hmm. which by the way, have repercussions in the multidimensional universe. And it's yeah. more than just uh, creating a big radioactive bomb mm -hmm. crater where we blow them off, but it right. re, it, it has repercussions through the dimensions. Yes. And he said, can you imagine how bad the humans are going to be if they're not put in check? Because we get hijacked. This is the whole timeline too. This is what they're trying to do is get us into this, this timeline where earth is just the worst fascist planet you can ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And we are all, we're all chattel to them doing mm -hmm. their bidding. Right? right. So that's why right. now every person has a role. If only mm -hmm. to wake up and understand and your consciousness says, I'm not going along with it. Right. That's all you have to do. Really. That's yeah. the revolution right. being consciousness. Right. But so Alex Collier said that they had to do something about the earth problem. And so mm -hmm. what they did was they started to extract all the reptilians from all the underground bases whenever they came and went. They'd catch them. If they could catch them, they did. And that's why Earth has been under a quarantine now for quite a while, for several decades, since 9-11 at least. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is they're not judging the reptilians. They're not executing them. They're just putting them on a faraway planet and saying, you're out of here. You're off planet. You can't and play what nice and next, you're going home. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? Yeah. This is the fate of the Rothschilds. They cannot be allowed to remain on this planet. If they're fortunate enough not to be executed, uh, uh, ALA, the mm. French Revolution with pitchforks and uh, right. hanging right. them off the lampposts, they right. will be put off planet as well because they mm. cannot be allowed to manipulate Earth anymore. Mm. And that is part of how we win our planet back. 
Right. And so the great show in the universe right now is here on planet Earth. You can't imagine how much attention from other benevolent extraterrestrial as well as malevolent ETs want to see what humans are going to do once we have full control of the narrative and of our planet and all this technology. Mm-hmm. Are we going to destroy ourselves or are we going to enter this utopian golden age? I guess and my course, question is, are they going to assist? Well, they will, but they want to see that we have it in us right. to one, how about alleviate starvation? What are we going to do when we can control it? Mm-hmm. Are we going to lift up everybody? Right. You know, all boats rise on a high tide. It's right. got to be that way. So right. we have to be able to not only help all the other humans on this planet, mm-hmm. but we have to stop the environmental degradation mm-hmm. of this Mother Earth, this mm-hmm. garden planet, yeah. which is just a beautiful gem that we have destroyed. Okay. So, for example, Fukushima. Yeah, it's still leaking radiation. I live out here on the West Coast. I won't eat fish anymore out of the Pacific. They're still pulling out tuna. Tuna are apex predators of the ocean. They just circle around and around Mm -hmm. the North Pacific Basin. I was one time fortunate enough to be scuba diving in Fiji, and we did an outer reef dive. Mm -hmm. The only sound you can hear when you're scuba diving is when you take a a metal Mm -hmm. knife, for example, and hit your tank, and it's ding, 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 ding. So Mm -hmm. I looked over, and my dive master, he's like pointing up because we're, we're well down, 100 feet down, and mm-hmm. we see three or four bluefin tuna go swimming by, and they're massive and just just prehistoric-looking animals yeah. and just booking, you know, moving through there so fast. So mm-hmm. we get back up on the boat, and I said, wow, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And he goes, you only saw four or five of them. 20 years ago, you would have seen 70. 100 years ago, you would have seen 700. That's how decimated our oceans now, denuded of all the fish that Asia it and is, the hungry world wants yeah. to eat. So we it's have to restore this, this garden planet and, and break mm-hmm. out of this prison planet and make it a garden planet again into mm-hmm. a utopian age. And so that, that's the, mm-hmm. the small part I hope to offer through my mm-hmm. books, through these interviews, is just to get people thinking that there's mm-hmm. got to be a better way. Because this ain't it. Awaken a little bit. We're we're not being given a very good option here. Oh, you'll own nothing and like it. No, it's not an option for me. I own lots of globalists and the horse they rode in. I like it. (laughs) I know. I know. It's you know. It's funny you mentioned the oceans because last week we had um, Captain Paul Watson. Oh, great! I love him. Oh, he's awesome guy. Yeah, and he said one thing, and it's all he ever has to say: if the oceans die, we die. Yep. And. I think people need to realize that our planet belongs. Well, I say it belongs to us. I think it's on loan to us for our children and our children's children and, and for future generations coming in. And the old term that you have to, when you go somewhere, leave it a better place than how you found it, preferably because you were part of that. Um, I think that applies here because we're really leaving one hell of a mess for future generations if we can't get this straightened out, yep. right? So, well, thank you so much. Um, I wish you all, all the, the best on your, your UFO talk. And, and I wish I was there because it sounds like you guys are going to be having a whole boatload of fun. And uh, find one of those UFOs for me. Take me a picture. Take me a picture. But, <laughs> but um, you will be coming back for book three. How does you everybody bet. find you right now? Website? 
Yeah, well, you can go to bradolson.com, and uh, one of the pages is all the conference I'll be speaking at. Come on out and meet me. I love to meet our audience and sign (laughs) books for people. Uh, If you want to check out my books, go to cccpublishing.com, and Mm -hmm. I'm also a book publisher, and I have other authors that I publish, including Leo Lyons-Agami, Michael Jaco, (laughs) and Milo Duquette, some of the biggest names in in occult research. Uh, yeah. I, I publish and I edit their books. So I, I'm very familiar with these subjects. I know mm-hmm. them. I love them. I uh, have to get deep into them. But yeah, sometimes it uh, it's a little troubling to think them through too much. So that's why I put it out in the world and we'll let people decide. And let's yes. take back that narrative and the revolution is consciousness, Michelle. And that's the subtitle on the back of Modern Esoteric Beyond Our Senses. And I know we're going backwards. That's okay. Uh, modern it's great I love the it. next interview, and, and that's a great one too. Five stars on Amazon, and uh, it's very well received as well. Well, that's the next one. So you guys better catch up and go ahead and get future esoteric, yeah. the unseen realms. Damn, yes, Sam it. got it. <laughs> <laughs> that Arconic Network. That's We're going right. to see them now. <laughs> exactly. There we go. There we go. Well, thank you. We've got a live me. audience back here, too. <laughs> we do. <laughs> I like it. It's like a like cheering section. That's amazing. So <laughs> I will shoot you an email with a little bit of information. And, um, and thank you. So have yourself a fantastic weekend. Oh, you too, Michelle. And I look forward to the next time we have a chance to talk. <laughs> All right, darling. Have a good one. Bye-bye now. Wow, that was like amazing as always. I just I get a little bit tongue-tied. There's just a, so much information, really hard to process. But we are at the end of another fantastic segment here on the Outer Realm. Big thank you to Brad Olson. Huge thank you to Folgers Coffee and Dr. Snick. Uh, please remember to head over and uh, show us some love on YouTube at International Public Radio, UFO Paranormal Radio, and UFO Gods and Extraterrestrials. Uh, if you want to drop us a line, please do so at the outer realm contact at gmail.com. That's the outer realm contact at gmail.com. Uh, head over to Facebook. Give us a like. We appreciate it. Next week, uh, we have two returning guests. Uh, Wednesday, we welcome the return of Wes Roberts. Uh, on the last segment, you will have remembered him uh, from talking about his abduction experiences. This time, he returns to something a little bit different. He's going to be talking about magic. I know, right? Sounds great. Thursday evening is, we love this guy. He is just awesome. David Weiss is coming back to the show and he's going to be picking up where he left off with his discussion on the flat earth theory. Yeah, you heard it right. The flat earth theory. And I'll tell you, his archives are still out of control. People love him. He's full of energy. He's just charismatic. We really love him. Um, check out the Facebook pages too for the Gray Zone Uncensored Summer Hours. Yep, that's right, Summer Hours every two weeks as opposed to every week. We have to have a life too, people. It takes a lot of research about 20 to 25 hours a week to research for Gray Zone. I'm just like work to the bone, anyway. Um, it's a long weekend for those of us in Canada, the Victoria Day weekend. So, for those listening here in Canada, Please just play safe. Um, I know the fireworks have already started out this way. So um, just, you know, make it back to us next week. Okay. So thank you and good night.